Genesis chapter 22. Man, I'm glad you all are here today. We're in our series on leaders and losers. And it's interesting, you would think that on a Thanksgiving weekend that we'd have a more specific Thanksgiving title. But when you see the way that this message begins, there's not a better Thanksgiving message than what we're going to see here. In Genesis chapter 22, we're looking at the life of Isaac. And uh, we're trying to find some leadership principles from the lives of these people in the book of Genesis. And if you look at verse 20, or chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thine, thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we look at this amazing chapter and this miracle that you performed. Father, help us to... We'll, we'll never fathom the depth of this text completely today, but Lord, please help us to have a better understanding. And Father, help it to be things that will help us in our daily walk. Most of all, we want you to be honored by what's done here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to look today at Isaac, the leader who prefigured Jesus Christ, our Savior. But the first thing that I want you to see is the time, the time, when was Isaac born? Well, right when he was supposed to be. Look at Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. Isaac is a very unique person. How many of you all know somebody that uh, had a baby when they were 100? How many of you would like to? You might like to know somebody, but you don't want to do it. And it's, an, it's just an amazing story. Look at verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Would you mark that? As he had said. I want you to know, anytime God says something in the Bible... If he promises something, it's going to happen. Isn't that good? He said it. So here's what it says. And the Lord God visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. Now look at this. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. God had told them that Isaac was going to come but it was at a very special time. Do you know what time he came? Right on time. He came exactly when God wanted him to come. Now, do you understand that was a different time than Abraham and Sarah had planned? They had wanted him earlier. Look at Isaiah chapter 18. Isaiah chapter 18 and verse 9. Here the Lord Himself comes and has some angels with Him. That doesn't happen every day, does it? And they come to Abraham's house. Verse 9. And now I want you to notice, how many of you have noticed that Sarah's name is spelled differently here than it was earlier? Well, when God promised Isaac to, again to Abraham, He said that He was going to change her name from Sarai to Sarah. What did He add? He added that H sound, that huh. The same thing he did. It was Abram. Now it's Abraham. That's the spirit of God. God has given them his spirit and his power. 
And look at what it says, verse 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. We're in chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. What did I say? Well, Isaiah's good too. Now, y'all need to learn to listen to what I'm thinking, not what I'm saying. All right, Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and let's look at verse 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. What time was it going to be? The time of life. And it was going to be the right time. My brother, he knows how to think like me. He's not as good looking as me, but he's just as smart. So um, so look at what it says. According to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. So she was hiding behind the door listening, like all wives do when there's a meeting going on. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Now I want you to notice something right there. Isn't the way that the Scriptures word things wonderful? Just so pure, so wonderful. Now look at verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a great question, isn't it? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. Now look at what this says here. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And of course, Sarah denies it. No, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. And what's so interesting about that, she didn't laugh out loud, so she's not really lying here. She kept it in. How many of you have ever said this? Well, I didn't say what I was thinking. Right? And of course, that's good. We're supposed to control our tongue. But God still knows what's going on inside us. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God knew Sarah's heart. Can you imagine somebody starts telling you the stuff that's in your heart? I don't want you guys to know what I'm thinking about you sometimes. <laughs> Vice versa, right? You know, we, we try to do right, but God wanted Sarah to trust Him in her heart. And God told them, when the time was right, you're going to have the baby. I wonder if you've had any disappointments in life. I wonder if you've ever had some trouble and you don't see God in it. Even when we don't see God, His time is right. Genesis 21.6, look at what it says. God had visited Sarah in verse 1. She was able to have her baby. And in verse 6... Look at verse 5. This is just wild. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Verse 6. 
And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. I think she learned the lesson. Isn't that wonderful? She laughed at God and now God has allowed her to laugh with joy and now all of Israel and the whole world will laugh with them. Man, I sound like Jesse Ventura. Doesn't it? Oh, well, we'll get through it. God made the whole world laugh with her. And Isaac's name means laughter. That's what his name means. And he brought such joy. So what do we learn from that? Well, God's timing is right. Don't give up. Now, I'm not saying if you haven't been able to have children that you'll have them when you're 100. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God's promises are true. He loves you and He has things prepared for you that are greater than you could ever imagine, ever even think about, ever dream about. Just hold on to Him. Believe Him. His timing is right. He sees you. He loves you and He hasn't forgotten you. That's the time. The second thing that I want you to see is the testing. Genesis chapter 22. This has been a difficult passage for some people. Genesis 22, look at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. God did tempt Abraham. Well, look at James. James. Keep your place in Genesis, of course. But look at James chapter 1. Verse 13. The Bible says, let no man say... And let me say this. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be hard to follow along. We do a lot of Scripture reading. There is a Bible provided for you in the pew in front of you. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Look at verse 13, James 1, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. So what happens is people see that, and then they see Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. Well, God tempts somebody here, and then later on it says that God doesn't tempt anybody. Well, what's the truth? Well, don't just stop. Read the whole verse. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any ma- neither tempteth he any man. So the implied right there is with evil. So here's the idea: when you are tempted to sin, that's not God tempting you. Let's read on, verse fourteen. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So here's the deal. Sometimes, boy, Satan's really fighting me. Satan's really tempting me. No, it's the lust that's in you. The temptation is in you. You're the problem. I I love what, I think it was Steve Brown that said, cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think you are. We always want to find an excuse for why we're doing wrong. We do wrong because we're sinners. We need the forgiveness of God and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to keep us from sinning. So what is God doing here with Abraham? Let's go back to Genesis and we'll find out. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. What is he doing? 
what God is doing with Abraham is He's giving Abraham the chance to do something great. He, he wants him to reach out and go beyond whatever he imagined he could accomplish. But it sure seems strange. Imagine the request. Look at what the Bible says. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Have you ever had somebody say, Will you do something for me? And depending on who it is asking you, you say, What is it? Right? That's not what God, that's not what Abraham's doing with God. Verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. No friend of God has really been tried until he has been tried on the things that he loves. You know, there are some things that would not really be very hard for me to give up. Not difficult at all. If somebody wants Nathan's computer, go ahead. <laughs> Got a nice Honda Accord. It's yours. You come and want to get my car. Now we've got a problem. It, right? There are some things that are very easy to give up. The things that we love. This is when we know how much we love God. Something that's very interesting here. This is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. Now remember what the law of first mention is. The law of first mention states that when something is mentioned for the first time in Scripture, we get information about that subject, vital information about that subject that will carry on throughout the Bible. What do we learn here? He says... And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. What do we learn here? That love always involves sacrifice. Always. Love always involves sacrifice. The cross-reference to that, the obvious cross-reference is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Genuine love always gives. It always sacrifices. And so now what God is doing, He's saying to Abraham, will you give back to me that which I have given to you? The amazing thing about this, how many of you understand, Isaac was a genuine gift from God. Do you understand that today? But remember, if you put the gifts of God before God Himself, that's idolatry. If you love anything more than you love God. Remember, every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven from the Father of lights. Every good thing that you have comes from God. Is there anything that you wouldn't give back to Him? God always tries us. You've never genuinely been tried. Until you've been tried in the area of the thing that you love. Then, the testing. Does God tempt us only to do good? 
He's giving Abraham a chance to do something great by having him give back the thing that he loves the most. But then, and this is something that I had missed. Don't forget about Sarah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Sarah watching them go? Because I'm sure Abraham had told her what God had told him. And she's watching them go. She had to let him go. Think about this. Sarah sacrificed Isaac before they ever made it to the mountain. What an amazing woman of faith. Do you know what happened? God had changed her heart to trust Him. To trust Him. What an amazing lesson for us. So there's the time and the testing. And now we're going to spend most of our time this morning on the type. And we've talked about types before. In the Bible, God gives us a person or a thing that, and, and He forms it in such a way that it's an amazing picture of something that's to come. The Bible in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I think it's right around verse 20. The Bible says that the Jews require a sign. The Jews require a sign. So here we have pictures that have very deep meaning for Jewish people. Um, when Jesus Christ cleansed the temple, John chapter 2, he walks in, the, everything is just carnal and worldly, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. So he makes a whip, and he turns over the tables, and he runs the animals and the people out with a whip. Can you imagine? And the Jews say to him, verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18, I believe it is. And the Jews said unto him, What sign showest thou us, seeing that thou doest these things? Now, I've got to tell you, if somebody comes in here and starts turning things over, we're not going to say, what are you trying to teach us? But see, that's the Jewish mind, and God understood that. You see, for us, prophecy is prediction. God gives us very specific instructions. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Very specific things. That same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Jews require a sign. But the Greeks seek after wisdom. Our mind, the Western mind, seeks after learning. The Jews were seeking after pattern. So for us, prophecy is prediction. For the Jews, prophecy is pattern. There's an amazing pattern that God is giving us here. That's the type. So the first type, Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your place here, but go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. The best types in the Bible are those that are given to us clearly, and this is one of those. Hebrews eleven seventeen, And this is going to answer another question right here at the beginning. By faith, Abraham, when he was tempted. Is that what your Bible says? What's it say? God is giving us the kind of temptation. He's explaining to us the kind of temptation that he brought to Abraham. He was trying him. He wasn't tempting him to do evil, all right? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Do you see a similarity there to Isaac and Jesus Christ? His only begotten son. Verse 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now look at verse 19. 
accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. In a figure. Isaiah is a figure or a type of Jesus Christ. So let's look at the ways that he's going to be. In chapter 11, verse 17, he says he's his only begotten son. Does your Bible say that? If your Bible says that, raise up your hand. What about Ishmael? Was Ishmael Isaac's or Abraham's son? Yes. What's going on here? Did God just not recognize Ishmael? No, God promised Abraham and promised Hagar that he was going to make of Ishmael a great nation. We learn later that just as Jacob had 12 sons, Ishmael had 12 sons. Made a great nation of him. Why is it saying here that he's not his son? Because him going into Hagar was sin. And in heaven, there's no record of your sin. When by faith you come to him, all of that has passed away. It's gone. How many of you have something you don't want written in your biography? That's what God is doing here. It's such a wonderful picture of his grace. Now you understand that down here there's still some consequences. Anyone remember 9-11? How about all the rockets being fired into Jerusalem every day? Right now, why, who, by who? By Ishmaelites. There, is, there are still temporal and physical consequences for our behavior. But when it comes to forgiveness and grace, God completely forgets our sin. Ah, how wonderful that is. The type, he's the only begotten son. Then number two, he was beloved of the father. Genesis chapter 22. Remember what it says in verse 2? And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. He was beloved of the Father, just as Jesus Christ was. He was born at an appointed time. We looked at that already. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. There was a specific time when Jesus Christ was going to come, specific time when Isaac was supposed to be born. He's a type of Jesus Christ. Go back to Genesis chapter 22. You may still be there. And look at what it says. Look at verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Isaac went willingly and freely up that mountain. Now there's something we need to understand. Isaac is a grown man here. We think of him as a little child. But he was somewhere between 16 and 30. This is a grown man with a 115 year old father. You understand Abraham couldn't make Isaac do anything. That Isaac wasn't willing to do. Isaac freely walks with his father to Moriah. Then he lays down on the altar. Look at what it says. 
Verse 9, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. You understand, Abraham, there's no way he could have made Isaac do it. Isaac willingly laid down on that altar. Can I ask you something? Do you think Isaac trusted his father? I think we can learn some very serious... We're not going to spend any time on it. But I hope that you'll make a note and think about it, pray about it. We learn some very serious things about obedience here. I wonder if your child would obey you if it was a matter of life and death. Isaac trusted his father and obeyed him. He willingly, he freely walks to the mountain. He freely lays himself down on the altar. And he freely allows himself to be bound. But what a picture of Jesus Christ that is. Do you remember when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus Christ in the garden? They said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And when he said, I am, this whole legion of Roman soldiers falls back as if they're dead. Just as he spoke two words. And then... You can just, he didn't say this, but you can just imagine it. Okay, now that that's settled, I'm ready. No man takes my life, but I lay it down willingly. That's what Jesus Christ said. He freely went. No one could make him do what he did. He freely went and sacrificed his life for us. The Jews had no king but Caesar. Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of angels. And it would only take one angel and he could call 12 legions of them. He willingly laid down his life in obedience to his father. Do you remember what it says in Philippians? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and was made obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus Christ was in the garden, he prayed that the cup would, be, would pass from him. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 that he was made perfect through obedience in his suffering. Jesus Christ obeyed his father and willingly laid down his life for us, just as Isaac was. Jesus Christ said he came to do his father's will. Isaac is an amazing picture of Jesus Christ. But just as Isaac is a picture of Christ, Abraham's an amazing picture of the father. He, he loved his son. He was his beloved son. And he gave that up. I want you to think about something. Sometimes we think that we can cooperate with God in our salvation. Some of us may even go to churches where we, we have to do things in order to be able to go to heaven. And I want you to understand that salvation, our eternal life, is completely from beginning to end the work of God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. And I want you to see the pattern or the picture of that in the text. So let's look at Genesis chapter 22. And look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. No one did it for him. And took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. Abraham brought the wood offering. 
and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Now look at what it says. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham. And he says, where is the things? Now look at verse... If you look at verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. It was all of God. No servants. Abraham the father, Isaac the son, God the father, God the son. That is where your salvation comes from. You offer nothing. Can I give you the formula? God provides the forgiveness. You provide the sinner. (laughs) That's it. You come just as you are to the king. And he gives you his sacrifice. He applies that sacrifice to you. Abraham, an amazing picture of the father. No other family members are present. There are no other servants. There's no mother there. Number two. God devised, scripted, prophesied the plan and brought it to fulfillment. Salvation is from start to finish the work of God. Abraham willingly offered his son and we said, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Bible in the book of Romans says that Abraham willingly gave his son. You know, it's interesting. Do we have any worshipers here today? Do you worship eternal life? No. You worship the one who bought the eternal life for you. It's the same thing here. Abraham didn't worship his son. He worshiped the one who had given him his son. And again, we learn something about worship. Worship involves sacrifice. We're going to go up and worship. Worship involves sacrifice. Then, oh, this is, I want you to think about this. I've got my son Jacob here. I I just can't imagine anybody doing anything to my son. Any of you have, have children? What would you do? Can you imagine taking your only son? And think about this. Look at what it says in verse um, 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He had to travel with that boy for three days, knowing that he was going to sacrifice him. Can you imagine... You know, it's not genuine sacrifice unless it costs you something. Do you think Abraham loved Isaac? And yet he was willing to sacrifice him. Man, I'd give anything to keep something from happening to my son. Some of you this week, you might have been thinking, nobody loves me. Have you been to Calvary lately? God the Father loved you so much. He loved you so much that He gave His only Son to die on the cross for you. 
man, it's not just a story, it's real. It's life and death. God did that for us. Romans 8.31 says this, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? What an amazing thing. Look at what happens next. I want you to see that the ram, just as Jesus Christ, or Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ, and Abraham's a picture of the Father, the ram is a picture of our substitute. Look at what happens. Remember what God said, or what, what uh, um, Isaac asked. Verse 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Can you imagine what went through Abraham's heart right there? And look at what he says. And Abraham said, verse 8, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. It doesn't say God will himself provide a lamb. It says God will provide himself a lamb. Now, Abraham willingly, he puts Isaac down. Isaac is willing to be sacrificed. He's bound. They're getting ready to light the fire, but he's got to kill him first. He takes the knife and he's getting ready to plunge it into his son. And God says, Abraham, Abraham. Look at what it says. Verse 11, And the angel of the Lord, remember that's Jesus, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Do you think Abraham ever wanted to hear the voice of God more than right there? Have you ever needed to hear the voice of God? Are you willing to lay everything aside to hear it? Look at what he says. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. I want you to think about something. I'm going to ask you a very technical question. Some of you city people might not know. Where are a ram's horns? Oh, that's nice. Sorry. Where are a ram's horns? Look what the Bible says here. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Do you know what a thicket is full of? Thorns. Thorns. What did they put on Jesus Christ's head? Thorns. A crown of thorns. And they took him, and look at what it says. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked... And behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. Look at what it says. In the stead of his son. (laughs) 
Do you know that Jesus Christ was sacrificed in the stead of your son, of your daughter, of you? Jesus Christ did that for you. And this ram is such a beautiful picture of our substitute. Hebrews 10.5 says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Jesus Christ, when he came, he said, You've prepared a body for me so that I can die. He's our substitute. Then next, just as Isaac is a picture of Jesus and Abraham's a picture of the Father and the ram's a picture of our substitute, the return is a picture of the resurrection. Look at what it says in verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now I want you to see something, one of these cool things that's in your Bible. Look at verse 4. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place afar off. Anytime you see that third day in your Bible, there's always a reference to resurrection. Sarah had given her son, had been willing for him to be sacrificed. And he didn't have to be. But spiritually, they had given. In their hearts, they had given. Remember what Jesus Christ said? If a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart already. If a man hates his brother, he's committed murder in his heart already. They had sacrificed their son in their hearts already. But now, coming down off of the mountain, they returned. That is a wonderful picture of our resurrection. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 17 again. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. This coming down, it's a wonderful and beautiful picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember what we said. Prophecy for us is prediction, but prophecy for the Jew is pattern. God has established an amazing pattern. Now, I want you to understand something. Abraham had said in verse 5, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And then in Hebrews, we, get, we understand what he was thinking, that he believed in the resurrection of the dead. But there's no record of any resurrection of the dead anywhere in the Bible before this point. Why did he believe that? Because he had been through the trouble. He had been through the fire. God had tried him already and proven himself to be true. And he had promised Abraham that he would have a baby. He had the baby. He promised that he'd make him a great nation. So he just believed God. Well, if God's going to kill him, he's going to raise him up again. And remember what the Bible says in John chapter 8, 55, I think it is, 56. The Bible says that, that Abraham saw my day and was glad. God had revealed to him resurrection. It's an amazing thing. They're coming down. 
is a picture of the resurrection. But I want you to see that how Abraham did this from Hebrews chapter 17. How did he do it? I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 17. How did he do it? By faith. By faith. How are you going to sacrifice and believe God and walk in this world and be willing to do what he wants you to do? How are you going to do it? You're going to have to do it by faith, believing the promises of God. Do you believe God's promises today? Do you believe them? You know what? When life is good, life's great for us right now. You know, but Jake's not an axe murderer yet. Lydia's doing great. Life is great for us. We have our health, wonderful church. You guys are awesome. But what if God asked me to give some of that up? See, it's easy for me to say I believe the promises of God right now when there's no trouble. But I know right now there are people in this room and you're in trouble. Do you believe the promises of God? Are you going to walk by faith? Even if you never get the answer that you wanted. The Bible says these all died in faith, never having received the promise. Many of the people who have sacrificed for God never understood the purpose. But they did it by faith. So we said that Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ. Abraham's a picture of the father. The ram's a picture of our substitute. We learned that the return from the mountain is a type of the resurrection. Oh, I've got to tell you this. Go, go, back to, go back to Genesis chapter 22. And this is a supernatural book. People make mistakes by not actually looking at the words. Look at what it says. Verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the Mount of Moriah. Is that what it says? The land of Moriah. A lot of people have thought in the past that the sacrifice was made where the temple is. No. And I don't have time to develop it, but you can trust this. Where this sacrifice took place is Golgotha. It's where Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. It's the same place. Look at what it says in verse 2. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He wanted him to go to a very special and specific place. And look at what it says in verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. All of it, all of it is exactly representing our sacrifice. Then lastly, the wood. What about the wood? The wood represents the cross of sacrifice. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. Do you understand what Isaac is doing? He's carrying up the mountain, the instrument of his own sacrifice just as Jesus Christ carried His cross. You can bring your burdens to the foot of the cross, but only Jesus Christ can take care of them. Only Jesus Christ can pay the price. Look at, I want you to see something. Look at Matthew chapter 27. I want you to get Matthew chapter 27. And then I also want you to get John chapter 19. I'm going to show you something amazing 
that we learn from the Scripture that is demonstrated in Genesis chapter 22. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 32. And then get, I want you to have right away for you John chapter 19. All right, Matthew 27 first. Matthew 27, 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto, I want you to mark that unto. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him. Now, I want you to go with me to John chapter 19, verse 16. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. Simon carried the cross to Golgotha, unto Golgotha. Jesus Christ carried the cross into Golgotha. You can't bear your burden to Calvary. You can take it to the foot of the cross, but only Jesus Christ can take care of it. He is the only one who can bear your burden. The Bible says, casting all your care on Him, for He careth for you. You might think that you can cooperate with Jesus Christ in your salvation. You can't. You can't. The servants and the ass carried the wood to the mountain. It was then placed on Isaac, who carried it into the mountain. Only Jesus Christ can pay your price. Only Isaac could carry that sacrifice up. And only Isaac could lay down on that because it was God's plan. And then it had to be God's substitute. You need to understand that only He can pay your price. Only He can pay your penalty. What are you relying on? What are you relying on? All the way back in Genesis chapter 22, we have the answer. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says it very clearly in Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth or proved His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isaac is an amazing picture of a leader who prefigured Jesus Christ. Your Heavenly Father, Lord...